welcome to the Parley at the Hindu. I'm your host Shobhana K. Nair. The political headlines over the last few weeks have been dominated by the implosion within Nationalist Congress Party. We watched the events with a sense of deja vu. On June 30th last year, Maharashtra's then Urban Development Minister Eknath Shinde had walked out of Shiv Sena with 40 of its 55 MLAs, leading to a vertical split in the 57-year-old party and bringing down the Mahavikas Agadi coalition government. This malady is not exclusively limited to Maharashtra alone. There are questions on who will succeed Naveen Patnayak in Biju Jantadhal or who will run Bahujan Samaj Party after Mayawati. In this context, we are debating today, are the regional parties in India facing a succession problem? We have with us today Sugata Srinivasaraju, senior journalist and author of the magisterial biography of former Prime Minister H.D. Devagauta, and Nilanjan Sarkar, Senior Fellow at Centre for Policy Research. I begin this debate by posing a question to both of you um, on why do we see succession battles raging among several regional parties today? Who would like to take the question first? Should I go first or Nilanjan? Yeah, yeah, please go ahead. Go ahead, Subhanahu. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Sobhana, and uh, lovely to with Nilanjan again. See, essentially, the problem of succession has arisen uh, because all regional parties, at least most of them, have become Hindu undivided families, so to say, you know, because we are talking so much about uh, uh, the uniform civil code. They have become Hindu undivided families. So, so that is the primary reason why we see the succession problem. Because Hindu undivided, there are the three generations. There are, there are nieces, there are nephews, there are sons, there are daughters, there are daughter-in-laws. So as much as there is a problem outside of the regional parties as to uh, who should get the leadership of the party, there is a lot more problem inside uh, these regional parties itself. And these regional parties began with a very with very lofty goals. You know, I mean, that's pre-Mandal or... Uh, uh, or even earlier, or post-Mandal, uh, they all had lofty goals. They had either uh, sub-nationalist uh, you know, goals, or they were trying to protect their own caste, uh, or they were uh, trying to protect their own ethnicity, or uh, you know, several other you know, larger inter- federal interests, like the DNK. Uh, but, but over a period of time, they've all become uh, parties run by one single family, and there are several strands in that family which come into conflict, and that has primarily given rise to the succession issue. So, so that is exactly what happened with NCP in Maharashtra, and uh, we have seen that happen in other parties too. Shiv Sena sorted it out uh, a little earlier, you know, in the lifetime of uh, uh, Bala Sahib Thakre itself, and uh, uh, and and other parties uh, face this threat. You know, it could be the Janata Dal Secular, for instance. They face this threat. Although these succession issues have been sorted out over a period of time uh, within these conflicting families, like the Samajwadi Party. You know, I mean, uh, something has been settled, although it doesn't look fully settled. 
So I, I essentially uh, think that, uh, you know, because these parties have given up their larger purpose and have become Hindu undivided families, the succession problem has become extremely crucial and important. Yeah, so I think I can I can sort of take over from them. I think that's uh, I I largely agree with uh, with what Subhata has said here. I mean, what I would point out is that from the '90s onward, as we started to see the decline of the Congress Party, you really see the rise of um, a regional parties, but B, as Subhata calls them, uh, Hindu undivided families. Right, so you see very centralized party structures, low intra-party democracy, often controlled by a family in a number of these new and fairly electorally successful parties. The reason why it's happening is a structural reason, right? Which is that during the chaos of Congress party breakdown, you have politicians who are essentially going to the highest bidder, right? You have lots of political defection, you have coalition governments that are falling apart, joining together in complicated ways. So one way to ensure some sort of stability of growth is to make sure that the voter is beholden to the leader at the top, or the family at the top, right? And so that is a natural cycle that started at that time. There are, of course, some examples of parties that have that structure before Congress party declined, but a large number of them come, come up in the 90s. And now we're kind of seeing the dimming of that cycle as the next generation comes up, right? And what I would say is let's think of, let's sort of classify this into um, a few different kinds of parties, right? So there are parties that have fairly cleanly delineated a succession structure. it, It remains to be seen if there's further challenges. I think of RJD, I think of TMC, right? Where there's a handover that has happened largely within the family. You have ones in which there was a handover, There's there have been some tricky business either from other party members or other family members. Uh, Samad Rabi party was mentioned, uh, Shiv Sen has been mentioned, right? There are then those parties which had a full-scale battle of succession, right? Um, and uh, splits and so on and so forth. And I would just quickly like to point out that this is, of course, not just only true of regional parties. The Gogois in Assam, of course, also faced this kind of split, right? The point I'm trying to make is that there's a certain structural form of politics that came in the 1990s where people were beholden to certain leaders and families because of the kind of chaos that was going around them. And so that even in national parties, you began to see that certain state-level leaders taking on this kind of Congress and BJP, st- taking on this sort of very central Modi and Gujarat, I mentioned Gogoi in, in, in Assam. Now we're coming to a period where the next step has to occur. And um, the kind of succession battle that you will see is going to be a natural problem for every one of these parties, but even national parties, which are handing the baton to the next rung of leaders, uh, you know, regionally. And um, I do think that uh, regional parties that are able to sort this out, that are able to basically come up with an internal decision-making process that anoints the next leader, are going to be on far more stable footing. Especially in a context where you have one party, the Bharatiya Janta Party, 
with far more financial and state institutional resources at its disposal. If there are weaknesses and splits uh, that are exposed in the succession battle, that is something the BJP can take advantage of. Um, and so we're seeing a point in time where those splits are actually being concretized and even um, expanded upon because of the overall political environment that we have. Uh, Nilanjan, I'll just uh, sort of button here. And uh, since you're talking about BJP and you've mentioned Gogoi and uh, family in Assam and others, let's uh, go to our next question on whether this is a problem that is limited to the regional parties alone or do we see a similar problem unfolding in at for, say, Congress and at some point for the BJP also? Um, Shugato, why don't you answer this first and then we'll move to Nilanjan. Yeah, I mean, Nilanjan very correctly mentioned, uh, you know, how these regional parties came up after these Congress, you know, started weakening in the 90s. But, you know, I mean, we should also keep in mind that uh, the, uh, uh, the spurt of regional parties also happened because of the breakdown of the Janata Parivar. What was, you know, in the post-emergency era, you, you created the Janata Party and then the socialist parties came together, the, the Lohiite parties came together, then the caste parties came together, and then they all splintered into different, uh, you know, I mean, uh, regional parties. And that was an easy structure because uh, the alignment was on the basis of caste. And Mandal had given that kind of a prompt, you know, I mean, to, to, to align yourself on, on, on the lines of caste. So, so a lot of regional parties came up as a result of that. And now that is being challenged severely, you know, because two generations have, one generation has passed or two generations have passed. And uh, that is, uh, uh, I mean, because caste uh, the uh, the caste identity itself has gone through a lot of change and there's a splintering within castes. So that has been challenged. The Mandal revolution that created uh, regional parties are being challenged on various fronts. So now coming into this question of the BJP that you mentioned, see, I, I feel that the BJP has uh, triggered a certain crisis, not just in the regional parties, but also in the Congress, because this ideological stridency that the BJP brings in has forced everybody to sort of uh, go beyond, say, families, family loyalty, caste loyalty, or, you know, I mean, ethnic loyalty to create a larger purpose for themselves. And they suddenly feel that they, there's a vacuum there because they have forgotten what they stood for uh, in the last 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 years. So, Suddenly, the BJP has induced a larger purpose for politics, you know, quote unquote, you know, I mean, it, uh, a larger purpose. Because, you know, I mean, if they are speaking about Hindutva or ideological stridency or, or trying to bring in a whole lot of issues like Uniform Civil Code or the abrogation of uh, Article 370 or the Ram Mandir and all that, the other parties are being forced to stand for something. So they just can't say that we stand for this patriarch and for this caste. So they are being pushed to realign and to rethink. And that is the, the reason why you see Rahul Gandhi, you know, pushing the Congress towards a certain ideological position. Congress was a very loosely knit party. Nobody ever spoke about the ideological concerns of the Congress when Indira Gandhi was at the helm. But as soon as, uh, I mean, Raj, Rahul Gandhi seems to have realized, I don't know to what extent, 
but there is some kind of uh, understanding that you know you cannot just uh, uh, you know mean uh, uh, expect loyalty to the family uh, and 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 survive you have to create a larger purpose so i think that is what is happening and regional parties like the congress are also facing a similar question it's a huge humongous question and you know i recall here the quote that uh, devegowda uh, you know gave uh, or, or the statement that he made sometime in early 22 where he said congress is also another regional party so i think congress the bjp has bracketed everybody together and posed this humongous question before them what do you stand for beyond the families and families uh, shobhana are the most vulnerable so there are two i mean here i think uh, because nilanjan so beautifully uh, categorized regional parties it's important to say that there are two kinds of regional parties even to this day there is the bjd you mentioned there is the aam aadmi party there is the jdu which are not exactly run by families and there is no and tmc of course not exactly run by a family but and the succession succession thing is also not extremely clear of course in the case of the tmc there is the nephew who's you know going around but you are not very sure about it you know whether it will, it will take a linear you know pro, it will be a linear progression and this man succeeds so there are two kinds of parties one is the family parties and the other one parties which stand on certain ideas like anti corruption and aap came up and on the basis of that and it's become a regional party aspiring to become a national party so the the bjp has been essentially targeting family parties it knows that the other ones are slightly difficult to handle they'll probably come to that next rjd is extremely vulnerable because of the family and its uh, uh, different you know mean uh, heads and uh, jds is extremely vulnerable similarly shiv sena was extremely vulnerable and therefore they broke it ncp the moment the transition happened they just moved in and you know they they, they capitalized on the vulnerability that existed so so i think this is the this is the larger thing that is happening which is that the ideological question has been put right in front of everybody and they are asking what do you stand for so i i i largely uh, agree with um, what what sugata has said here i mean i just sort of add uh, a couple of points here right so so one uh, fully agree that you know it's not just congress party decline it's also the split up of the janta party um, there are actually a number of complicated factors that lead to these small parties showing up but i want to sort of emphasize one thing that we don't think enough about in this question which is there's a succession battle happening in the bjp as well right and one way of framing what is happening right now is that we do know and there has been a lot of discussion of how the old guard is being shoved aside we have seen the pressure that shivrat singh chauhan has faced we have seen yadirappa face right which sugata has written a lot about we have seen a number of raman singh and chatisgarh so we have seen a number of chief ministers who were really identified with the state and whose states units were really identified with them being cut down to size in the modi amit shah era and so it's important for us to understand what is happening nationally and how that brings to bear on this kind of state level regional level leadership family succession right the overarching principle of what we have seen since 2014 is extraordinary centralization in the pmo in the prime minister's office in the duo amit shah and narendra modi 
and what that does to the party structure and what that does to everybody else's party structure. So if you take that as your starting point, then you start understanding that the kind of succession battles or the kind of old guard problems that the regional parties are seeing, actually every party is seeing, including the BJP itself, right? Because the key point here is that if we are to centralize power at the top, then strong federal government, by which I mean at the state or provincial level, having strong CMs or party units, is a problem, right? And so while for the Congress, it may take a certain kind of discourse, regional outfits led by a political family might take another discourse. As Sugata mentions, Ahmadmi Party, so they might take another discourse, actually, the Karab, arrest Manish Sodia. And even within the party, right, BJP, it will take an even different discourse. But the goal is actually fairly unified, right? And so what we should understand, and I think both of us have picked up on, right, is that you cannot see the succession problem in isolation. You have to see it within the larger political environment. And you have to see what the hyper-centralization we're seeing at the top is doing to every political player at uh, the state level, irrespective of whether it was a political family or not. What we did have is a set of state actors which had largely consolidated power so that we associated state units with individuals, right? Even within the national parties. Today, given the kind of demands of this top-down leadership from the center, right? That is slowly being broken. Where it refuses to break down, we see the center taking action and trying to force that to break. There's a larger question about whether that's a, you know, a welcome development or not, whether we want more federalization, whether we want less, whether this constitutes democratic breakdown or not. But those are, you know, I would say questions that are beyond the scope of the topics we're talking about today. But all of that sort of stems from this very simple idea of hyper-centralization in the top. Okay, uh, before I move to the next question, let me uh, give you a small nugget of information. As per the Lok Sabha website, there are 39 political parties in the lower house. And this tally does not even account uh, for the split in NCP, Shivasena, and a far smaller split in uh, Lok Jan Shakti party in Bihar. Now, uh, as per the election commission uh, official orders, there are six national parties, but barring the BJP and the Congress, uh, there is none that command uh, the number of seats that these two together command. Now, um, taking this into account, uh, keeping the, this particular figure in mind, uh, my next question is that this the succession battle that we see could this struggle really lead to demise of many of these parties? Like, for example, BSP, uh, there are questions being raised that uh, will the party completely vanish post Mayavati, whenever Mayavati era ends? And therefore, the connected question to this is, are we possibly headed towards the end of the much celebrated era of regional parties and as, as Nilanjan was talking about centralization, are we headed towards 
return to say a two party system so i mean uh, nilanjan uh, i mean I, com- i agree with what nilanjan was telling about the bjp the hyper centralization but you know you i mean there's a small little thing that i would like to add there you know for the, for the hyper centralization thing that is happening now and that what what we are seeing and you know i mean a lot of people may say after modi the deluge but we tend to forget that structurally the bjp or the sang parivar uh, has uh, the rss as a ready think tank there sitting and an arbitrator so i think you know i mean when when the alternative has to be found at least they have a mechanism i wouldn't say they'll be effective or it will be as effective as uh, the duo that controls the politics of the nation today but you know i mean at least there is a mechanism which you don't find in the congress or in the regional parties the paradox about the regional parties is that you know i mean the the the, the for, to survive the the, the family uh, is is a central because the finances are centralized and uh, i mean and the family is also the liability so that is the paradox about the regional parties that have been created and uh, you know even when i mean the, now the now that the, that you raise this question about uh, uh, you know i mean uh, regional parties and uh, the, the the bjp and the, the the congress and what happens there uh, uh, because the, the these are the only two parties with a large footprint across the nation and their vote shares are big and the rest of them i think command less than 2% or whatever that that's minimal and i i would like to let you in on a certain uh, negotiation that was happening you know jdu was desperately trying to become a national party that is before the naga nagaland election so they were trying to look for mergers everywhere and uh, that is the reason why you know the pressure of a merger was what split uh, jitinram manji's party from the jdu and i uh, also know uh, that you know i mean they put a lot of pressure on devagowda so that because jdu and jds coming together would have automatically made them a national party the the vote shares coming together and they were looking to recover the 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 janta dal uh, wheel symbol you know uh, so they wanted to move out of the regional space you know i mean they wanted to escape this onslaught that modi and uh, amit shah are heaping on the regional players so they were trying to become a national player by seeking mergers of course you know i mean devagowda wouldn't uh, give up his identity and of course jitinram manji understood the whole thing and now because they didn't want to give up their identity and because they also look vulnerable after uh, a series of defeats and shrinking of their vote share they have to either you know i mean they've been they, i mean the question before them is how do we survive so they either have to align with the bjp or have to align with something else which will give them a kind of uh, which will help them retain their vote share they forget the question of expanding their vote share now it's about survival so so those questions come up and even with the congress now now that the hyper centralization has led to a certain ideological thrust and all that now the question before the congress is what do you stand for the the old question that i posed what do you stand for do you stand for federal interest which is not what the congress stood for when it was ruling this country so how will the congress position itself against the bjp is extremely important and congress does not have cultural solutions or cult- cultural answers to the questions that the bjp poses every single day so i think uh, that's a that's a very, i mean what are the universals on which the congress will 
claim to be a national party. See, if you look at what Rahul Gandhi has been speaking in the parliament, uh, especially that whole debate about idea of India that he uh, presented in the parliament and has also spoken outside, uh, he is now trying to look at the Tamil Nadu, it looks like. He's trying to look at the Tamil Nadu model very seriously. He's, he, he, he extolled uh, Tamil Nadu. He extolled the federal uh, model that they have, uh, you know, the, the trust that they have, the federal federalist trust that they have. So I think he's exploring the, the, the whole idea of federalism as a counter to the uh, centralizing impulses of the BJP. So BJP is looking for more universals to create one nation. It is trying to create a universal narrative across India. And ironically, a national party like the Congress is left to look for, uh, you know, uh, small ideas which actually come together to form a kind of loose frame and is being presented as his idea of India. That's, the, that's Rahul Gandhi's idea of India or the plurality issue, the diversity issues coming up there. So these are some of the very interesting things. And last thing, last point is that this 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 debate between hyper-centralization, Hindutva, universal values and federalism and smaller ideas between the two big national parties as of today, where will that leave the regional party is the question. Yes, that's what I was coming for. Do you see the demise of regional parties? No, I wouldn't, you know, I mean, write them off. You know, Indian politics is so complex and India is so diverse. In fact, uh, I think that uh, post Modi, I mean, the, let me, let me, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's an astrological prediction, but, you know, I mean, it will finally come to that point looking at what the Congress is trying to do or the regional parties are, you know, in, in this existential crisis. Looking at all that, I think, you know, I mean, somebody will start saying, that India should become a 50 plus 1 vote democracy. Where if you look at post-independence, no national party, no, no party has got more than 50% vote. So this will by default, even if you look at Modi's huge majority, it's just it comes up to around 37-38%. That's it. Nehru's majority did not cross 48%, roughly around that. Even Rajiv Gandhi's huge mandate did not cross 50%. So if if that kind of legislative change is pushed or, uh, you know, this is something that the Justice Venkatachalaya Commission did speak about when they reviewed the constitution and Vajpayee set up that committee in 2000 and all that. So if somebody starts pushing for that and that idea catches up post-Modi or uh, at the end of the Modi era, as one would say, I think we'll see a fascinating new, you know, rainbow of parties working with a different set of ideas coming up. I don't think uh, the regional parties, uh, they will have to reconfigure themselves. You know, I mean, they cannot go with uh, uh, what is happening now. They have to sort of, uh, uh, they can't go with the same set of ideas. They have to do new things. Yeah, I mean, I mean, taking off from there, I mean, the short answer, our regional party is gone. I think the short answer even for me is no. And, you know, you, there was a little slip in your question. It was an interesting slip. Uh, it's one that rings uh, for political scientists. Is when will we go back to a two-party system? And of course, the question would be, when were we ever a two-party system? Right? We've had periods of dominant parties. Maybe Janta Party, Congress. You know, I, I don't know. You know, but we've often had one dominant party, which is a loose federation of some sort, factionalized, and so on and so forth. 
or we've had this kind of multiplicity of parties that that, that you mentioned. The reason why it's an interesting slip is that, uh, so, and I'm going to sort of go into sort of some some core policy things here. We do often think that ideologically consolidated systems like Western Europe, US, so on and so forth, once ideology comes to the fore as socialist, capitalist, or something, you get two large coalitions, you get two parties, right? India, we haven't seen that. The core challenge in India, and this has been very well recognized even by politicians and parliamentary uh, parliamentarians, are structural factors, defection, right? So, of course, we have the anti-defection law, but many people don't realize there are a number of parliamentary committees that have been sent, uh, that have been created since independence to deal with the problem of defection, right? Um, and interestingly, when you read the earliest debates, they sort of imagine, you know, India is not fully formed yet. When it is, this will no longer be a problem. We'll have ideological differentiation. So this is the imagination that they had. It hasn't come, right? And so today, when we look at the BJP, is there hyper-centralization? Yes. But what does it mean when your uh, party structure in Tripura is Congress's old party, Right. What does it mean that Himanto Bishwa Sharma, who is a was high up in Congress, is the guy leading the charge for the BJP? Or Shubendu, who they have, you know, anointed in Bengal, was one of Mamta's top lieutenants, right? So this is very different than the model we have in ideologically consolidated systems. We talk about political socialization. Essentially, people are born into their political parties. People live their political parties through, you know, youth organizations. Something like maybe what the RSS might be doing. But the reality is that this version of the BJP has many, quote unquote, impure elements, people who actually have regionalist aspirations, who are not in any genuine way, ideologically have come through the BJP system. Right. And so what I would say is that we need to distinguish the structural elements of Indian politics from the narrative. The narrative is, of course, of hypercentralization, one nation. It could be that in the near future, or maybe even the medium term, the BJP continues as a dominant party. Then, just like we saw in the, Cong- the, the Congress system, the heyday of the Congress era, these regional factions and these regional leaders stay within the d- dominant party. You don't see many regional actors. But the moment that it weakens, you get this fragmentation, right? The regionalization or regional parties or regional actors or these small family-owned parties that is a structural phenomenon that is not actually directly associated with the ideological narrative character of politics. Right? And so the big question for the BJP, and I'm sort of taking up from something that Sulata said, right, is that it's not, you know, when, it's, when it, it's time for Modi to go. The question is not just who succeeds him at the top, but all of these actors at the bottom who have bought into the BJP, are they still there? And do they, do they agree to continue within the party? That's a, that's an interesting premise that you're presenting. But however, I, I still want both of you to answer the question on specifically, maybe argue, tell me about what do you think happens to BJP in absence of Naveen Patnang? What do you ha- think happens to BSP in absence of uh, Mayavati? What happens to JDU whenever Nitish Kumar decides to hang his boots? What happens to JDS once uh, Devagauda ji is no longer in the picture? Uh, and are these worrying questions? No, I mean, uh, it, when it comes to the BJD, it may be a worrying question because, you know, I mean, 
there is no bloodline to succeed. There's no, you know, because it's, it, it is a family party and paradoxically a family party without a successor. So we don't know what's that, what, 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 what is going to happen there. And probably that is the reason why the BJP is extremely patient with the BJD. They just don't want to disrupt anything because they know that there is going to be chaos after Naveen Patnaik. Similarly with Mayawati, you know, I mean, Mayawati has already been weakened, but you know, I mean, you never know when uh, a, a person like Mayawati will reconfigure things and try to put things together. Uh, so th- that question may be applicable to her as well, you know, but, but there is a family and all that is said, but then that's not a direct line. The problem is less for a party like the JDS, the Janata Dal Secular, because uh, Kumar Swami has already stepped in. He has taken control of the party and Devagauda is 91-92 and the other elements in the family have sort of conceded. Like, uh, you know, there, there, you see some kind of reconciliation that has happened in the SP where, uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Akhilesh Yadav had to struggle with his uncles, the Hindu undivided family. And then, you know, there seems to be some kind of a reconciliation, but to not be the, not be the greatest, but then there is a line. And he has his wife in politics and there is his children and uh, all that. So so there are two sets of parties there. Some parties may be facing that question. Who after Mamta Banerjee? Who after Naveen Patnayak? Who after Arvind Kejriwal? Who after Nitish Kumar? But there are others, other parties like who after Deve Gauda is very clear. Who after Stalin is almost clear. Udayanidhi Stalin has been brought into the cabinet and there is a succession line there. Uh, and uh, Karnardi himself made it very clear that uh, it is Stalin who should succeed him and not Alagiri when he was alive. And that 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 battle was very, very big. And Kanimoli seems to have settled for a national role. And if you look at another very interesting family like K. Chandrasekhar Rao's family, there are, there are two uh, kids. Uh, I mean, uh, Rama Rao, Keti Rama Rao and uh, Kavita. And Kavita has been mostly playing the national role. And KT Ram Rao is consolidating the state. And it looks like, like in the Hindu undivided family, the, his son is the successor. So there are these parties which seems to, will, will answer that question easier than the parties which don't seem to have a direct bloodline to take over. Yeah. I just, I, I, so I, I largely agree with that. I, I, I would just add one uh, variable, right? So, we mentioned, uh, you know, if I take a, take the parties that Subhata mentioned, that it's more challenging. BJD, Amadmi Party, TMC. What you notice with these parties is they are not directly caste-based parties, right? Take BSP, complicated party, right? Mayavati has no direct bloodline after her. Nobody has been anointed. However, do we believe that a Dalit party in Uttar Pradesh would close its doors wholesale. Maybe it would. Maybe uh, they would ally with the BJP, BJP would take it in. But do we believe another Dalit party wouldn't come in its place, let's say by Chandrasekhar Azad, right? Yadavs, same thing with Samajwadi party. JDS, same question. So even if you have not figured out the family succession, what's interesting is that if you have a sociological basis for your party, it's not clear that that question has been solved, that the domain of Yadav politics may have been controlled by one family in Uttar Pradesh. But if that one family is no longer in control, does that mean Yadav politics is gone? I don't think so, right? And so 
that is not, for instance, the case of BJD. I think for BJD, we really have to see what the succession there looks like, right? Are there going to be bureaucrats that come up? Or are there going to be some of these trusted characters who have been in the party who will try to come up and uh, and take control of the party? You know, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to know what's going to happen there. But I do imagine that parties that have a very clearly delineated social basis will not give up their position so easily and merge into another party. Or if they do, another political interest or set of political actors which represent that social base will try to take its place. At least in the short term, I imagine that that's what would happen. So I think we're running out of time. Um, so uh, I think we'll end the debate uh, at this point. And thank you so much uh, to both of you for sparing time to be with us to debate this important topic and bringing in valuable insights and uh, for the rest of you, I we shall see you next week. Thank you.